There we go. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, I hope you're all doing uh, safe and well uh, during this time. And welcome to podcast number three. Just a chat with uh, myself, Ashley, and Chris. Um, we're answering your fitness questions every week. Um, thanks for everybody who's who's given us feedback so far and given us some questions. Uh, and this week's topic, uh, we've got two. We've got uh, the importance of rest and recovery, and the question: uh, Can you spot reduce fat? So we're going to start off uh, with uh, rest and recovery, and I think we'll start off with your, yourself, Chris. What's your kind of take on the importance of rest and recovery, things like that? Yeah, I think, um, well, rest and recovery, in my opinion, is probably just as uh, important as the <laughs> training aspect and, and your diet as well, if not um, kind of more so, well, arguably more so. Um, but um, I think... I think what I see a lot of nowadays is um, uh, people are starting out um, or people are just kind of new to a fitness routine um, or, or like if they're more kind of weight loss orientated um, they'll come into the gym and they'll basically, they'll basically just go flat out for, for a full month or two weeks or however that long that may be, six weeks. And um, they're not taking any days to recovery, recover at all. Um, and that's all, that's all grand during the first week, and they might manage that fine. But then come week two, they're knackered. Um, the, the recovery's not there, and um, straight away they're, uh, they, they can't keep it up, you know? Um, so um, with any of my clients, um, especially if it's a beginner, I'm starting off, um, you know, right from the beginning, starting off with the least amount of work possible so they can fully recover from that. So I think that's a big point is just starting off with the least amount you can recoverable volume for starting off and then building up on that um, slowly and gradually. Um, yeah, and how often do we see every January? We see people coming into the gym and we'll see it when we go back when this, this whole pandemic's over, that people go in and they're not conditioned to train six days a week, but then they're getting a program off, say, YouTube or bodybuilding.com, and they're doing this 60 split or six yeah. body, two body workouts a week, and they're just not conditioned and to recover yeah. anyway. And obviously recovery is like, well, I'm putting in the training, because people will obviously think, well, muscles are growing as I train, but it's the exact opposite, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, that I think that's a good point as well, because you, you'll get these... Um, uh, people coming in in January, um, and it's not—it's not their fault. Obviously, they don't have any, perhaps not, don't have any prior knowledge to um, starting training, and they'll go on, type in to Google or YouTube or whatever, um, how to get ripped quick or something like <laughs> something along those lines. What's the best? What's the best split for getting the most amount of muscle, or for getting in shape quickly? And first thing you'll see is a, probably like a six-day um, body part split, which is obviously quite advanced. Um, and someone whose recovery is pretty high. I mean, if we're going down the performance route, I've seen some top-level natural bodybuilders who only train three, four times a week yeah. because they need that recovery. Obviously, if for kind of your enhanced athletes, uh, some of them will be getting away with doing seven days a week because of the, the extra, the extra sub supplements, the extra Mexican supplements, which uh, can help um, with that recovery aspect. But um, yeah, as I say, um, it's, um, it's, yeah, someone starting will try that. And it's a lot of that, those exercises as well, as well will be um, high intensity, big technical lifts. And then, you know, they're either going to, one, get themselves injured after a few weeks um, going too heavy, or they'll just burn out, simple as that, and they're not going to be able to um, um, continue on. They're like, this is unsustainable. And then they get frustrated in that loop because it's, they're frustrated. It's like, well, why can, can't this guy, why, how can this guy do it and I can't? It's because you have that, the other guy or the other girl has been training for goodness knows for how years. long, four yeah. years, you know, and as... Um, a good um, um, ability to recover, and they might manage the recovery a lot better, um, i.e. their sleep is, has been optimized. They're getting adequate and quality sleep every night, um, seven to, to nine hours. 
of quality sleep. Um, their nutrition is on point. Um, and they're doing, you know, other methods of recovery, whether that be um, stretching mobility. So every aspect of their routine is on point. And, and obviously, your ability to take more as you progress on um, goes up. So they'll be able to do that, mm. like more training, yeah, and be able I, to recover from it quicker. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's something that people, people think that, you know, if, if you take a day off, it's a bad thing. I actually had someone and they were like, what, 70,000 between a Monday to a Saturday and messaged me saying, actually, I took a Sunday off. Like, is that all right? And I was kind of looking going, you walked 70,000 steps in six days. It, of course it's right that you took a day off. Like, you know, that's, that's a good thing for you to do to allow your body to take a rest, allow your body to adapt to, you know, what was happening. And this was someone that maybe only averaged like, you know, 20,000 steps the week before. So, you know, allowing your body that time to adapt to the changes that are going, you know, is hugely important. And, you know, taking a day off or a couple of days off a week is actually what you need, you know, your body needs, especially, and I am kind of talking about, you know, um, sort of like the average Joe, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, power lifters and, you know, people want to do, you know, shows and all that kind of stuff. If you're just looking for general fitness, keeping fit, you can do it off three or four times a week, you know, of structured training, you know, and it's all part of it. And, you know, the, when you start out, my whole thing is make it sustainable. So, you know, don't just do these things for like six weeks where you go every single day, you know, think, could I do this for the rest of my life? Could I train three days for the rest of my life? Of course you could. Anybody could do that. You know, it doesn't mean training is in like bursting yourself every time, but you know, you can keep that up for the rest of your life, which means it's sustainable because you're allowed to recover and you can still go and do things. Obviously when you get into the, the more splits, like five day splits, the way they work is because you maybe do like upper body one day, whatever your split is, and then like a lower body the next day. So it means when you're working your lower body, your upper body is actually resting. So it's technically a day off for your upper body. And that's kind of how those kind of splits work when you're resting parts of your body. So that's how they do work. But like the guys were saying, that's an advanced technique. You know, even me, like I've been a PT for four years, but I don't have the experience in terms of the repetitions in to justify being on a five-day split. I'm just not at that level. And it's not like, yes, a PT for four years, I should be. Well, no, because that's not the style of training that suits me and that I need for my goals. So for me, it's three, four days a week of like workouts that suits me and gives me time to recover. And, you know, a big thing of recovery is actually your sleep, you know, making sure that you have a regular sleep cycle. And I get some people work night shifts and things like that, but it's still trying to just keep up that recovery and allowing your body to just rest. You know, it's, if you just burst your body all the time, we've all had that where you do it, you do a workout and then your muscles are in pieces the next day, you know, that isn't always the aim of exercise. And I think people get that confused. Like you have to be burst. You have to not be able to walk the next day. That's actually not. I actually get more satisfaction when people tell me, oh, I've done that workout. And, you know, I can feel that my bums work and my quads work, but I can still walk upstairs and do all that. That's the point. To feel yeah. that the muscles have been worked, not feel like you can't walk or can't it's move. A good, it's a good indication. Like that's another poor judgment people is, how hard I've worked out is um, based on how sore I feel the next day. Mm -hmm. And in reality, it's a good indication that that person hasn't recovered properly um, yeah. or doing far too much. And as you mentioned, sleep. Sleep's actually a big one for me, like huge, because yeah. well, I know for a fact for myself, if I get poor sleep quality, my, the next day is going to suffer. Um, and I actually, I think it's really important to at least for one kind of, if you've got a smartphone or uh, a smart watch is to actually be able to track your, your sleep for a while and um, kind of get an idea of how you feel the next day um, in relation to your sleep cycle. So if you're, if you're waking up mid, like mid sleep cycle or during a REM cycle and you're feeling crappy the next day, um, then 
there might be an indication that you're kind of waking up at the wrong time. So um, it's an important, important aspect of your kind of recovery is to be able to kind of monitor your sleep and try and have a, a regular sort of um, sleeping schedule. Um, and I think there, there's various alarms you can get as well, which are, have a bit of an ability to wake you up kind of towards the end of a sleep cycle rather in the middle um, of it. So I think you can try and find something which works for you. I've got a lot of clients as well who, um, who work night shifts and that's a big, big part of it. So during, if you're working, if you're a night shift worker, you need to try and keep that sleep schedule um, as close to your normal sleep sort of pattern or schedule. So like little tips that can help with that is obviously your body gets ready to go to sleep when it gets dark. That's its natural circadian rhythm. That's when, when, you, when the sun goes down, you're, you're secreting melatonin and your body's ready to sleep. So if you can try and, if you're, if you're a night shift worker, try and work under bright lights. And then once you get home, have the room completely black. So blackout curtains, um, even if you're driving home and wearing sunglasses so that sunlight's not in your, your eyes and stuff and try and get, as soon as you finish the shift, try and get to sleep as soon as possible. Have something to eat so you're not going to go to sleep hungry because waking up with hunger pains is, can, will disturb your, your sleep. So have something to eat, mimic that like an evening meal so that your, your meal, that would be kind of similar to an evening meal, even though it's in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, try and get to sleep as soon as possible. Um, don't have your phone on. Make sure that any screens are away from you. Keep the sun, sun glasses on or, or blue light blockers to, to, to um, try and kind of um, um, replicate that sort of night, nighttime feel where it's kind of lower light levels and then get into bed completely dark room and get sleep. I think that's because I, I know for a fact a lot of my clients who, who work night shifts do struggle with that and it, it does impact on recovery. And if you have that backlog of sleep, that can, um, can really impact on you know, your training and other aspects. So it's a, an important one to talk I about. Think, I think it's important to prioritize it as well. You know, some of my guys, when they, 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 you know, they're maybe doing like four nights in a row or something, and then they actually kind of have a sleep day right and you know that might sound crazy but they need that they need that day where they can get back and kind of get into their day pattern again because you know then they might not be working for a couple of days so they need to get back on that day pattern so what actually some of mine do is on like their last their last night when they come home they'll actually do their workout then and then go to sleep mm -hmm. Yeah. So then it means they've done their workout and then they know that whole day they can recover, they can rest, and then they can get into their day routine, you know, on their next day off. And, you know, I think it's important to have realize that sleep is important and that it is a priority and then work things around that actually plan for your sleep, you know, on your day when you do have a night shift is actually plan, right? I'm going to be sleeping on that at that day. And that's allowed. Don't feel guilty for sleeping because your body needs it to recover, you know, and it's that getting out of that mindset that, you know, if you sleep or you rest for a day that you feel guilty about it or that it's a bad thing. It's not. It's important. But the important thing is to just plan your time, you know, plan when you're going to do your workouts so that you know when, you know, you know what you're doing at those times, especially if your night shift is plan and be like, right, before my first day of night shift, I'm going to do my workout then and then go into work and I'll do my next workout after my, my fourth day and then I'll go to sleep. And then on one of my days off, I can do my other program. And that's three days that you've worked out. So it's important in that aspect to kind of um, have that little plan if you are on, on night shifts. And then even if you're just in a normal schedule, like a nine to five or something, everybody's sleep pattern's different. So you hear all this, like it's eight hours. It's not. It's however many hours you can go to sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. That's it. It can be five hours for some people. It can be eight hours. It can be nine hours. It's all individual. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think uh, just like touching on a point you were saying, actually, and I'm going to go back a wee bit about the recovery, talk about sleep as well, is um, I think you know, you're saying, uh, and once again, I'm, I'm actually going back a wee bit now. Uh, do you know you're saying that 
talking about the recovery aspect because a lot of people do feel guilty when they take a day off. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, I've, I've no exercise today. I, I need to do something. So if if our clients like King or if people in the gym judge it on like next King Day, you know, say they've done a leg day or whatever and they can't walk. And they're like, well, that's a good, that means I've completely destroyed the muscles and I'm getting the gains and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's obviously counterproductive, especially for our guys that want to lose weight. Because like I say, a lot of my clients at the start, and they say, listen, how do you feel after your first session? I feel good. But, you know, I'm not as sore the following day. I was like, that's good because especially for a weight loss aspect, if you can't walk for four days and I'm trying to get you to lose weight, I need you to move more. It's it's kind of counterproductive, you know what I mean? So yeah, that aspect, the, the, the thing of having DOMS and all that kind of stuff is is not an indicator like, you know, hit the nail on the head there, Chris. Yeah. Uh, so recovery is mega, mega important to people. And I think people, it depends on where the, the person is. You know, like we know, like, like yourself, Chris, who's been a competitive bodybuilder. I mean, when you first started bodybuilding, I mean, how long ago was that? How many years? Well, I mean... I guess the when the type of training probably yeah properly tracking and uh, my training probably um, so it'd be uh, second year high school pro- uh, not high school um, university properly so a good five to six years six years I would say I, yeah. so so when you first started out what was your kind of rough basic split were you like six days a week or were you two or three days or what well. I did. Well, I did. I think I mentioned this in another uh, podcast, but I, I attempted to try and um, uh, go to the gym. Like it was been three times I've tried to attempt. It wasn't until the third time I actually stuck to something proper and kind of took took my time and effort to actually learn about things. But the first time, first time I tried when I was sixteen, seventeen, it was a it was an upper body split. So it be it would be arms one day and then chest the other day. Didn't have a clue, you know. Um, and to be honest with you, I was quite young um, and I wasn't doing a lot of the big compound lifts. So I was able to recover. I, I think I was doing about four days and then properly going, starting training again, and maybe five, six um, years ago, I've always been quite sporty and quite active. Yeah. Um, so I went into, I think it was four days. And I've tried as many as six to seven. And, and How did the six and seven feel when you I first did, done it? I've done, so I did six. I've done six before. It's it's a lot of volume for me. Um, and I honestly don't think I recover that well from six, to be honest with you. Um, so I did six during my competition, um, which worked. But obviously, towards the end, I was, it's not just the, the training aspect, obviously, the nutrition coming down. But from a recovery point of view, I think it's too much for me. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's again individualized. Uh, so it's it's different from person to person, and your training experience, training age, um, whether you're starting or not starting out, um, and that's that's a big part of the coaching aspect. Is I think I would feedback. pass out if I'd done six days. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> if I'd yeah. done six days of training, upper, lower, all that, I'd end up in a heap. Yeah, I think I was saying there, like what I picked up on when you're talking, Chris, is you're saying that you've always been quite sporty, so you have a level of conditioning coming into, like when you yeah, started, yeah, you exactly. So you had a baseline there already. You're you're quite active in in, in condition, so yeah, we, like I'll be perfect. Honestly, I was hoping you were going to say that you'd never lifted weights before, but that's a different. Yeah, so, but, like, <laughs> there's a, if there's people like watching this that have never lifted weights before and stuff, and then they're going to go into a six day split. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's going to suicide, yeah. We know fine well that they won't get the recovery and then they, 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 yeah. they probably won't get the sleep and then the nutritional aspect won't be there. And then they run out, hammers are same central nervous system and then they don't recover. Yeah. And they run out and we see that happening in gyms in, in January and February and then guess what? In March it becomes quieter again. So that's, well. um, yeah, as a, that's a, it's a good point from like a coaching point of view yeah. is to be able to measure that. And I mean, if you're a performance aspect, uh, performance athlete, you'll probably you might be looking at stuff like your your heart rate variability, um, what's what that's looking like, um, and your resting heart rate. Um, if your resting heart rate's going up, then it's a good indication that you might not be recovering um, well enough, and you're you're kind of um, and if your um, heart rate variability is low, then um, again it might be that you're not recovering. Uh, your recovery is not good or, or such so um but with clients i mean that might not be 
the easiest things to do. Um, so you need to get feedback from like your clients all the time, you know, just the normal questions of how you're feeling, even a sliding scale of how well recovered they feel on a day-to-day basis. Because obviously, if you're going through a progressive program, your recovery might kind of suffer a little bit towards yeah. the end. That's why we take a deload mm-hmm. and reload again, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. in some aspects. Or, I mean, the deload could be as simple as if you're not recovered, take a week off, yeah. you know. Um, so that's, that's important to so that aspect. Of I it. think, you know, I think a point of it as well is when, when you're do- training, you are, you know, you're trying to work the muscles. Like we'll say, you know, you're trying to like agitate the muscles. You're trying to give them a little stimulus. You're, you are trying to mess with the muscles a little bit, but you're not trying to absolutely exhaust them, shatter them and break them, you know, which is kind of the attitude that some people have, you know, in that there you have to be, you know, not able to walk or, you know, things like that. It's, it's not about that. You're trying to challenge the muscle is probably a better word. You're trying to challenge it, not absolutely break it. You know, that's not the point of the exercise. And, you know, there's things that you can do on your days off. So, you know, if you are feeling like you're someone that regrets or feels guilty about taking a full day off, there's things that you can do that aren't always exercise, you know, aren't always your training program. You can do what we call mobility, which is just improving your movement. And that can be as simple as stretching and using a foam roller. My favorite thing to do is using a lacrosse ball and kind of using that, rolling it across your chest if your chest is tight and using it in all your different muscles. And that's also a way of kind of helping your recovery and aid your recovery as well, you know, and, if you are worried about having a day off, just include those kind of things in or, you know, go for a walk or, you know, something like that that's still going to be burning calories. Because I tell you, I break up a sweat. You see, whenever you've got a lacrosse ball digging right into your back where you've got a knot, I'm telling you, you're breaking a sweat, (laughs) you know. And the good thing with that is it works like a massage. That's the whole point of it. And you're under control of how much pressure is put on it. So, I mean, Gaz can tell you better about the likes of foam roller and, and using a cross ball like that's that's his expertise but you know doing things like that can actually help aid your recovery help you move better and it burns calories too yeah because what you're talking about there Ash, is, is your active and passive uh recovery so your, your active recovery uh well, well passive recovery is literally when we do nothing we do nothing we just chill out and you know we just you know don't do any exercise and things like that but you've got active recovery as well. So, like, you know, if you go to the gym and you've hammered a full body session, the next day you're tired or whatever, um, an active recovery is anything that remaining active but not at the same intensity. So, you know, it could be taking the dog for a long walk, it could be playing with the kids, it could be doing like a nice, easy, gentle swim, you know, something like that. It, it doesn't have to be so that could, we can have active recoveries as well. So, it doesn't have to be that the point where you completely and utterly annihilate yourself and then, um, you know, you sit on your ass for, for three or four days not doing anything. That's all good. So, um, but it, so that was my point. But to talk what you're talking about there, uh, actually the foam roll, and that's what's called myofascial release. Ooh. So, essentially, all your muscles and organs are covered by what are, 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 are well, it's a tissue called fascia. So, um, what that does is when people normally get tight muscles, uh, sometimes it's not actually the the muscle that's tight it's what's called fascial adherence which basically means the fascia which is covering the muscle is tight so by doing foam roll and that basically helps break it down simple it is it's great it is great you know it just makes you feel a lot better on days where maybe you are a little bit tight or days where you just you want to do something but maybe you don't want to do a workout and you know it kind of for me personally sometimes it actually links into what we spoke about last week you know or the week before was it about taking like a five minute action sometimes if i like not bothered or i can't be bothered i'll just go in and i'll just do some stretching do some foam rolling and then sometimes after doing that and i feel a bit looser i feel a little bit better i actually end up going into doing some light form of work now i might not be squatting as heavy as what i was before or doing things like that but sometimes just help loosen me up i'll then end up doing a couple of squats or a couple of lunges and a few more stretches and you know things that aren't loading my body but again it's movement and 
yeah, I, I just love using the foam roller. Lacrosse ball is my thing. It's love-hate relationship, but, you know, it, it does help and it can make you feel better on days when you're not actually going to do your, your program. I would also, um, on the more the passive um, um, recovery, is I would urge people, you know, whether you like it or not, um, exercise or, or your training is... Um, uh, or physical exercises, stress to the body. Um, mm-hmm. That's just another form of stress. Um, and most people nowadays um, are living in a stressful kind of life, uh, whether that be work-related. So you've got you've got someone who's come out of um, who's working a nine-to-five job out of the office, had a stressful day, and then goes and exercises or trains, and that's just adding more stress onto yeah. the body. So um, and they're constantly in this sympathetic state, um, which their body is just, you're just not recovering from. So I would urge people to take up um, more kind of um, passive um, strategies to recovery or being more in that parasympathetic state. So actually, um, you know, whether that be just meditation, um, I've, I've never really tried meditation myself. I've always wanted yeah. to give it a go, but um Hobbies which are going to keep you relaxed, painting, um, cooking, stuff where your heart rate's low. Um, that's essential, I think, as well, you know, um, even just chilling out, um, reading a book, whatever that may be, spending time with your loved ones just to let that heart rate come down. Is I think, yeah. I think it's a balance, isn't it? You know, you've got to find the right balance between your programs, like your, your stretching and your, you know, your foam rolling and stuff and just doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the best recovery happens when you just do absolutely nothing. But, you know, I think it's important that everybody understands that it's everybody is different. So, you know, my recovery, I do like on my day, in my day off, is just doing my stretching, my foam rolling. I'll maybe do, like when I say I do squats, I maybe do 10 squats and 10 lunches, more to loosen me up rather than get my heart rate ramped up and stuff. And it's about finding the right balance for you. But it is important to have days when you do nothing, enjoy them. You're, it's not, it's not something to feel guilty about. It's something to actually just enjoy and know that you're actually helping your body get towards those goals. Cause you know, something you pointed on there, Chris is, uh, you know, about the stress to the body. Yeah. And thing I must say is if your goal is weight loss and you are stressed, stress actually stops you burning fat as quick. So if you are highly stressed, a highly stressed job, and then you're going and hammering workouts and you're doing that every day and you're not getting any rest and your sleep is crap, like you are, your weight loss isn't going to go as fast as if you maybe just took a day off or just gave yourself that recovery. You know, it's important that that is a factor. And you might think I'd be full of good intentions by doing your workout every day or whatever, but it can actually be hurting your progress. Because as Chris says, we all have normal stress. Then we have work stress. You might have personal life stress. Then you're adding exercise stress. And then you're not sleeping, which adds stress. And then you go back to the start again where you're tired because you have stress. And then you have to go back to work. And it literally just kind of adds on. Usually it follows as the eating habits with that as well. When yeah, but every, yeah. everything else gets added in. And all of a sudden you're stressed to the hilt and you're wondering why you're not losing weight. Mm. And it's because the cortisol and everything in your body is way up high. And sometimes you just need to chill and yeah. just do nothing. That's my favourite thing about a week off is I don't do any classes, no exercise. I sit on my backside and do nothing. And I feel so much better after it. That's why I don't like when clients who are, my clients who are middle-aged, male and female, say, I want to look like that person there and they're 19-year-old wearing the gym shirt leggings and the gym shirt sports bra. I'm like, listen, they're 19. They live at, their, live at home. They, they don't pay for anything. There's no, no kids. kids, and you're a lawyer. The stress exactly. level, like night and day, is com- it's completely different. So we need to. It's not comparable, is it? Exactly. But yeah. before we finish up this topic, guys, what to do before the next one? Give me two or three key points to take away for rest and recovery. Ash, go. Oh, interesting. That's a that's a curveball. Um, <laughs> no, my one, my one is find your 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 sleep cycle, yeah. find that works for you. And then the other one is manage your stress. 
you know, have a look at what, what level your stress is at. Think of your work and everything like that, how you feel, how stressed out that is and work out when you need to be resting, when you need to be doing your work. Again, it's trial and error. You're not crack it straight away, but you need to crack what your sleep cycle is actually like and you need to get on top of your level of stress. Chris, anything? Uh, my points are probably going to actually be the same as Ashley's, to be fair. Um, yeah, prioritize your sleep is a big one. Um, um, make sure you're, it's exactly the same, really. Make sure you're managing your stress as well. Um, taking that time off um, when you know you need it. Um, so if anything, listen to your body. Listen yeah. to what your body's telling you. Yeah, to do sometimes. Um, because, um, you know, you can use ways to, to measure, and I, I sometimes do as well. I've got smartwatch and do that. But um, your body is a good indication of whether or not you need to rest. Like, if you're needing a deload, if you start, you know, you start to feel like you're niggling, you feel tired, you feel sluggish, it's a good indication that you need to take some time off from the gym or it could be take some time off from work, you know, take a life deload and go on a holiday somewhere or something, you know. It's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's not just... Go on things. a holiday next year yeah. or the year after <laughs> at this rate. Two years time, yeah. But like, it's a good, not just, it's not just training. And you can, you can compare that to like work as well. You know, if you spend hours, if you're spending loads and lo uh, loads of time working hard and you, you'll get stressed out and you'll burn out eventually. And you know that that point, you're going to need a holiday so you can compare that to the kind of recovery from exercise as well yeah. you know good all right guys so we move on to our next topic now mm -hmm. yeah this will this will be, be quick yeah. yeah question can you spot reduce fat actually do you want to take this one okay the answer is no um but we're not just going to leave it at that obviously nope. we're going to kind of talk you through that so it is absolutely impossible to decide where your fat comes off and if you've ever really tried to you know lose fat properly you will get that all right it usually and for me anyway it comes off the last place you want it to you know what I mean? So if you want it to come off your stomach, it'll come off your chest and your bum and your legs first and then it might hit your stomach and it, it's entirely personal each person will lose fat and um, I remember last year whenever I lost like over a stone in weight um my arms actually came in and it was because I actually carried fat in my arms and that was fine my waist came in a little bit as well but there were it was I wasn't sitting doing like 100 bicep curls every single day in order to you know get fat off my arms it's genuinely just total body workouts and as you start to gain muscle your you know the, the fat will burn quicker but it's not like if you want a toned stomach you need to do 100 sit-ups and it's going to tone your stomach. It doesn't work like that. It's burning calories um, will burn fat. And then it's literally just close your eyes, fingers crossed, and hope it comes off where you want it to. Like, that is literally it. But, you know, don't get caught into that trap where if you want to lose fat, fat off your legs, that you just do leg work. Or that you want it off your arms, you just do arm work. It is total body exercise and building that muscle that is going to get that fat to go but yeah there's absolutely no way that you can decide where it comes off because let's face it if it would be good <laughs> we would all look completely different and it would be a whole lot easier if you just went right i want the fat to come off my stomach and just do 100 crunches every four hours then you know happy days but unfortunately it's just not the way it is yeah chris what's your take on it um yeah absolutely um i think i think that's a common question us uh, pts yeah. get asked when when someone new comes into the gym and it's like oh i only want to reduce the fat around this area so i just want to do the exercises on here because that yeah. will reduce or, or could you put plan an abs circuit so i can yeah. lose the fat off my, my abs and you're just going oh, yeah. that's not how it goes so yeah that's what you get asked i mean what what that might do if you prioritize a muscle group over another one is you start to build muscle in that area obviously muscle is a slow mm. process but if, if you're consistent enough at it and do it for long enough and um, you might build more muscle in that area but then fat loss occurs as as ashley said it's it's different for um between person to person people hold their fat differently um 
Yeah. And, and obviously it differs for women as well. Um, women store their fat differently and more around the hips. Um, and also and like hormones and stuff if you're you're in your menstrual cycle if you're going into like perimenopause or menopause itself or yeah. you know you're you're pregnant or you're just after having a kid like your hormones are going to be yeah. streaming through and causing different different things to be happening with your body so it's yeah. like even each person even through their different phases of their life are going to have different hormones working for them working against them usually ladies i'm afraid the hormones will be working against us yeah um and it's a matter of just working with them, you know, with your, your doctor, your physician, whoever you're working with, trying to work together with those hormones instead of just trying to fight against them because it ain't going to work. You need to work together with the hormone changes and stuff um, yeah. in order to help that. But it's important that you understand that those are the factors that go into fat loss. It's not as easy as just saying, if you do this, this and this, you'll lose it. You have your body to think about as well as you go. Yeah, I think that's yeah, an important point as well is especially for females is the hormonal hormonal changes and expecting that weight fluctuation during around your cycle because there will be certain um more water retention during your you know, like during the luteal phase of your cycle. And um, so expect that and expect expect that changes in your body and not to actually um go back and say, Oh, that's uh you know, I'm putting on loads of body fat at the moment. What's what's the problem here? Um, keep a track of your your cycle and know and expect those fluctuations and account for that in your weight loss journey. And also um, share that with your coach. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, I know you. I know guys. Chris, you are both very good with this, and that's why I, I do relate to you guys quite a lot in the sense that you do pay attention to that with your female clients. Like, you don't get all squirmy about this conversation. Like, usually, if you mention like menopause and you know menstrual cycle, you know you do get PTs, male PTs that kind of just squirm or have never even had that conversation with their clients before, and it's such a huge part of exercise, and that's why you know. If you're, you're with a coach and they don't know your cycle, they need to know. Because one, you need to be eating, uh, you could need to be eating 100 to 200 calories more during a, the, the phases of your cycle, all right? So your phase of your cycle where um, right before um, your period actually hits, you need to be having 100 to 200 calories more. And that is actually the point where you know the way you, you, you eat more, or you have extra chocolate, or you have this, that's because your body needs 100 to 200 calories more. And guess how many calories your standard chocolate bar has? Between yeah. 100 and 200 calories, yeah. all right? So if your coach doesn't know when your cycle is, they can't prepare you for it, they can't prepare your exercise for it, because you know, you're gonna be more tired around that phase, you know, you're you're gonna have less, you know, less energy, your sleep maybe isn't gonna be right, you might, depending on each person, might have cramps and stuff. So your coach needs to know those things. And actually, during that the phases of your cycle, you there you shouldn't be doing core work. All right. And, you know, see, Gaz, Chris, they both know that. And that's important so that when their clients say to them, oh, you know, it's, it's my time of the month or whatever, they then know to take out any like plank work and stuff out of their, their program for that day or for those couple of days so that that client has time to recover. So, you know, it if, you are, Sorry, actually, if you're yeah. working with a coach, it's just important that they know and that you have that open line of communication so that they can actually help you through that phase. Yeah, it might be a simple case of um, structuring the programming, yeah, as you say, around that because some of those heavier lifts um, during that phase, during, during your kind of period, is gonna be, it's going to be uh, harder, you know, um, and you need, to, you need to take into consideration that recovery aspect. Yeah, but, but you know, if um, your coach doesn't know, if you then have, say you've been lifted and progressing every week, if your coach doesn't know that, that, that you're on that stage of your cycle, they might try to be pushing you when you know you can't do it because of your cycle and you're less of energy and all those points that I've just spoken about. So, you know, it can be something as simple as, you know, I don't know if how people do it, but just if you, if you have your client weigh yourself every day, you could just put a little asterisk on the days that, it's just your cycle or, you know, you can find a way if you're uncomfortable having that conversation with your coach, you can find a subtle way of telling them 
that that's your cycle. So that when they go into your session, they can maybe just keep your weights at the same for that week and allow you to progress through your weights being the same that week and then progress you next week by adding more weight or whatever when they know you're out of your cycle but um yeah just have that open line of communication with a coach and if they don't care and they've and especially a male coach like i know i'm being total like generalizing here but it is more comfortable for women to say i'm on my cycle because we can relate Mm. but if you're with a coach and you feel uncomfortable to tell them they should be telling you, you know, they should be saying, listen, whenever it comes to your time of your cycle, you need to let me know, do this, this, and this in order to tell me if you don't want to tell me straight away. It should be something they take into control. And if they don't, you need to be having a conversation with them. Yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to that aspect of trust with the coach as well and actually knowing your coach. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a really important aspect. Um, and if you, if we go back onto the topic of body fat as well. Yeah, sorry, I just um, got completely off topic oh, there, right. but I felt it was really important. No, it is essential. <laughs> but if we go onto the topic of body fat, and I've had some some women come to me at, at classes and stuff and say, oh, it's not fair, my, my, my husband can lose fat this quickly and stuff. It's, it's slightly different for women. Women are, natu- are, are meant to have more body fat than men. Um, Bearing a child is a more energy demanding process and fat high in energy is um, required for that process. So don't, you know, don't expect um, like these, don't compare basically was what I'm trying to say. So don't compare your fat loss to to a male um, and, you know, expect that to happen in the same sort of, same sort of way as well. And on that, and once again, I'm going to use a woman, for example, is how many times do we see on the, on the, 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 the fat reduction side, and going back to the spot reduction that we're talking about, is how many times do we see people in the gym? And it's if it's a guy, they normally do chest and biceps because they can see those muscles. But how many times do we see a woman doing, you know, like 3,000 crunches and then all this kind of like, you know, like, like pulses and all this kind of stuff because we want they think they're going to burn fat on their, their hips and their thighs and their, and, the, and their bum cheeks. So they're doing loads and loads and loads of but it's predominantly women. And like, oh, I need to work my legs today and I need to work my core and all this kind of stuff because I'm going to burn fat around there. But like you were saying, it unfortunately doesn't work that way and we're all completely different. Yeah, unfortunately, that is, that's the case. Um, and I, my, my message is, is, or the way I do it normally, is, is I'll, I'll tell people, you know, like that way we're all different, we're all built in different ways. But what I try to do from an exercise point of view is is basically like you were touching on Ash is to get the muscles going. Um, you know, unfortunately we can't spot reduce the fat, but if we get a client and we do, you know, we begin and then we start to introduce the compound exercises that are going to obviously use more demand and stress in the body, and then that's when obviously if your fat loss occurs with your calorie deficit and all that kind of stuff as well. But um, but that's that's my kind of take on that point. Yeah, that that's a good point because I also feel this happens a lot is um, people follow, follow Joe Wicks program or something like that, and they've done hit cardio for um, a whole year or or some form of cardio and haven't encompassed all aspects of fitness. So there's yeah. you know multiple facets of fitness. It's not just cardiovascular. You've got your strength, your muscular endurance and muscular strength um, as the one, obviously, mobility and flexibility is another one. And then you've got your cardio, um, cardiovascular aspect. And so and you've also got your stability, your, your coordination. You know, you've got all these other aspects yeah. too, speed, power. Like. So, people, so people get um, frustrated when they've lost all this weight, but compositionally, their body doesn't look like uh, some, someone who's been strength training for five six years and has got a lot of muscle mass um accumulated over those years and it's like why do i not look like that because i've been doing all this hip cardio um and they don't have that look so compositionally i think it's 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 an important thing to encompass all aspects of fitness if you if your goal is to look a certain way um, which a lot of people are trying to look a certain way um and it's not a process which happens overnight. Again, that's a process which happens over the period of years. So um, don't don't expect some transformation like that, some absolutely incredible transformation. You're getting ripped six-pack abs. You need to take that slowly, as we I think we've mentioned in the past uh, 
two episodes of this podcast is is incorporating as a, a lifestyle change, as a as a habit change. It's something you actually enjoy, and there's an actual reason for you wanting to look that way. It's an inner reason that gives you some sort of purpose and value. Yeah, it's like you said, Chris. It's touching back last week. Remember we talked about you know like um, I think it was it like you know what's what's best high high reps and low weight or low weight mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, reps etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like like what you say there, you know, it's we need to incorporate all these different styles in training. But we see a lot in the gyms, and sorry to bring it back, especially women doing, you know, like high knees, and then we're doing like, you know, crab walks, and then we're doing like, you know, like curtsy lunges, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of reps, but it's that low intensity kind of, well, because I'm trying to spot reduce that fat around the lower body type thing. And yeah. we see that a lot, whereas the real kind of thing old message is, you know, if we if we start if we start there then that's absolutely fine. And if you go if you want to incorporate that stuff, incorporate it, but incorporate it with some resistance training and have some kind of structure training there. You know, but get on your compound list, your squats, your deadlifts, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think yeah, I think it's important to have that total body approach because I know we've kind of picked on the, the the women and the stomach and stuff, which I, I do totally agree with. And then it is the other side as well, where you look at the men too and they can be so focused. that's what I mean they can be so focused on chest and arms that then when you look at them and they've got these little piddly drain pipes for legs you know what I mean it's like it it's different style like obviously because you know uh, women naturally have higher fat and then men usually at that level again totally pigeonholing them here you know but they're usually already quite ripped you know got muscles are quite lean but then you see them and they're just pumping away it's chest and shoulders and all that there and then you look at their wee legs and you're just like oh look at them like you can nearly see through them so it's the same thing i think both both men and women have it. it is just in different ways but it's important to work your total body in order to burn that fat and you know all because you're doing a squat it doesn't mean that it's not going to burn fat in your arms because it will your fat will just come off wherever you want so you know by just doing biceps you're not it doesn't mean you're going to lose weight off your arms you're growing muscle in that area um you're just growing muscle but you need to burn the fat that's the key you know you can sit and do 100 crunches and still have fat over your stomach it's because you haven't burnt the fat for the muscle in order to show through then it's like there's no point so it doesn't matter what your goal is is you need to be doing like total body uh, movements um, in order to burn the fat you know and the total body like compounds like squats and deadlifts and bench presses things like that they are actual total body because you always have to brace your stomach you're squeezing your bum you're you know even in a bench which works your chest you need to squeeze your bum you need to squeeze your stomach you need to pinch your shoulder blades in you know you need to take your deep breath and brace your stomach and keep all your leg muscles tight even though you're just working your chest so it's important that when you're doing these things that you understand the movement and that you're working as much of your body as possible so that that fat comes off wherever it decides to come off but just standing doing bicep curls or, you know, lying doing abs, it ain't going to drop the fat in that area. Yeah. And like what we see in regards to the classes, how many times do we see a class, say, for example, you see a class in the studio, at say half five, but then when the abs class is on at six, it's absolutely stacked <laughs> with folk. There's hundred, like, like 40 people there. Can I get in the abs class? And you're like, right. Mm-hmm. I always say yeah. people, when I do them, and always want to listen, the take home message is, calorie deficit doing yeah. 100 crunches doesn't mean you're going to lose fat for that area fact yeah and that's it. and some people look at look at you going really and it's like yes and yeah. unfortunately, that, that, that still happens in the gym unfortunately people think you can you know i want to i want to lose weight off my legs so i'm just going to do you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna do my leg workout and then go and have a mcdonald's like my body just i want i'll leave my upper body i don't need to do it it's fine remember as well like calorie deficit not not when people say calorie deficit they think immediately to the diet encompasses everything so that encompasses your um your training your neat um your your diet as well and then also what we've gone through all of today is um recovery and how that plays into those other three factors you know because your recovery is not there it's not going to play into them um and you know that's that's a big part of it so you need to encompass all those aspects um, or you need to consider all those aspects to actually be in that deficit and um, again 
think of all the things we've talked about today, right? Your, your stress, your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, all the other things we've talked about, right? I, even me, I know Chris is the same, I know Gaz is the same. I can't be perfect at all of those things at the same time. I don't even know what that would look like if I have all those perfectly, because it's impossible. So you see, if you're watching this and you think that you need to crack all of these things, that ain't what you need to do. You need to just balance these all up to a level that you're comfortable with. You know, you don't have to sleep for like exactly eight hours and do all these things exactly. You just need to kind of get them all to levels that you can manage and that you're comfortable with. Because if you try to be perfect, you will fail. Like that's guaranteed, but you yeah. can strive to be better and you can play with your levels and decide what works for you, what works, what doesn't work. The only way you're going to know is if you muck it up, if I'm honest, you know what I mean? You might try to do something smart with your nutrition. You might get to five o'clock at night, have like no calories left and be starving. So you eat, you eat something to fuel your body. And then the next day you learn from it. You go, right, well, I'll muck that up by having that chocolate bar early in the day. Then I had no calories for later on. So I'll just not have that chocolate bar and I'll manage it. So it's like, you're going to make mistakes. It's just about trying to build as much as you can and learn from your mistakes. But all those factors, if you can crack them all, fair play to you. But um, I think it's pretty impossible. I mean, if you crack, there are people who are going to strive to crack all factors. And those are people who, who are actually, that's their job. They're an elite level athlete. And, that, and they spend that's the difference. their whole day paying attention to all these variables, their whole day. Um, and they don't have a nine to five job and they don't maybe have kids or something. So, you know, like. That's it, the difference. Though. That's the difference. Exactly. So that's all, it's all based on your own situation your own what what you're striving for what your goal is and um, so please don't compare yourself to um some of these social media influencers who literally spend their day in day out doing all this and then they're trying to promote some sort of supplement don't fall for that because there's a whole there's a whole there's a reason why they're in that shape and they dedicate their whole lives to doing it and that's not realistic to expect that from um, you know from everyone you know everyone's mm -hmm. different and got different goals and stuff so yeah <laughs> and I think that I think I was actually going to ask you both uh, give me a couple of take-home messages there but you both completely hit that on the head and it's good because it it, it kind of coincides with what we were talking about last week it's this kind mm -hmm. of package and things like that as well so um so yeah so I think is that us is it yeah I think I so think yeah so. that was quite a quite an in-depth one today oh, quite. Yeah. It, it, it is. once you get talking you actually really start to get into it and all the different factors start coming in i actually really like i enjoyed that one i think that one is it's a it's a point that people just completely forget about yeah, yeah absolutely well that's us guys so all right guys oh sorry can i ask you? oh no i don't know what i was saying there to be fair go ahead guys Right, well, thanks very much for watching, guys. We'll be back next week uh, with podcast number four. So when we do put stuff on Instagram and Facebook, we'd appreciate some comments and feedback and what you want us to chat about next week. So stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Cool. Bye, see you Bye. later, guys. Bye. Bye.